Amen. Thank you. Thank you for that. Church family, turning your Bibles to Mark 4. Mark 4. While you're turning there, I want to take a second, because it only took four years and three months. It only took four years and three months, but I finally got a real member of my family up here, and he's sitting right down here. My nephew, Alan Tanner, is visiting. Alan, I love you to death. I thank you for being here. Um, Because none of you, a lot of you started to believe I didn't even have family from Jacksonville, is the way I'm hearing it. I really do, and there's proof. Now, I'm not crazy about his mom and dad at all, but I do like him. Uh, No, his dad is my little brother, so he brought some uh, weapons from my dad, and he brought us a golden retriever. That's what he brought us. I can't wait to see what you bring next time, buddy, you know? Uh, It's good to see everybody this morning. We're going to talk about amazing results today, and uh, these amazing results, they stem from growth, positive growth. For instance, your bank accounts, the accounts you fund, like IRAs and CDs and different things like, maybe it's a savings account with a great interest rate, I don't know. But when we fund these accounts, we want them to grow because we want to see the amazing results from that growth and use that money, don't we? Of course. Uh, Businesses, we have business owners here. You want to see your profit margins grow because in that growth, there are amazing results. You can expand. You can add to your infrastructure. You can buy more inventory. Great things happen. In the church, I want to see growth both in quality and quantity. Yeah, I'd love for a few more families to join us. But the point is, I want to see amazing results stem from that growth. And all of us can look to our children and go, yes, I want them to grow mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, because I want amazing results for my kids as they grow. The disciples were a perfect picture of growth. You're taking some ordinary men who will become apostles, who will spread the word and continue Jesus' ministry, and you see extreme growth there. And what do we see from the disciples' growth? We see amazing results. So we last spoke of good soil last week with the parable of the sower. That's ears that hear and a heart that responds properly to the word that has been sown. And bearing fruit was the point of this, bearing fruit. And great yields, church family, great yields in this fruit bearing. In fact, let's start with Mark 4.20. Mark 4.20 says, but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. So church family, we have heard, we have accepted, we're talking about that seed that is sown, the word of God. So what do we do to bear fruit that results in 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold? Well, last week, I said that we are both culpable and that we are responsible for our heart condition and how we respond to God's Word, right? Our heart determines our response. Well, this week, I want to continue with our responsibility to God in His work, and that responsibility is in practice and it's in patience when it comes to bearing fruit. We have a responsibility to God in His work to be re, uh, 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 to, 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 to practice and to be patient with bearing fruit. And we're going to dive into that. 
Now, Jesus is proclaiming the kingdom of God, and if you forgot what the kingdom of God is or you need a refresher, this is his rule. It's his presence, right? His will done on earth as it is in heaven. So broadly speaking, he reigns and rules over the universe, of the whole of the universe, because it's his. But I want to bring it closer to home. I want to hone in on the individual. So the spiritual rule, this reign of God, is over the believer. Spiritual rule over the hearts and lives of those who willingly submit to God's authority. This is acknowledging the lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, one sense it is spiritual. In one sense, it is spiritual, but it's also literal. This reign is going to happen at some point at Jesus' return, and we will see the full consummation of things in that. Now, if we are responsible for uh, patience and for practice, we have to understand that to produce fruit Through the practice, this is us using knowledge. It's using the seed that's been sown, using knowledge as well as our responsibility and patient, being patient to the growth of that seed. So we're talking about the seed that's being sown, but there's great patience involved as well as our responsibility to practice it. Now, our part today is going to be identified by the function of a lamp. The function. What is its function? To give out light to reveal what is hidden, to illuminate, to dispel darkness. This light is the knowledge that we have received. That's how I need you to see it, the knowledge that we have received. So as believers, and hear me, as believers, we are to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus by applying ourselves to the use of the means of grace and knowledge. This is us placing the lamp on a stand, and we are measured by this. So in summary, we have been, what we have been given, we are to use. He's not giving it and saying, do what you want with it. I just, I just want to see what sticks, throw it against the wall, see what sticks. No, we are to make use of what we've been given. So church family, look at your Bibles. Let's read together Mark 4, 21 through 25. And he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and for the one, uh, from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. <clears throat> These verses, they point to our responsibility in practice. That's the application of us putting to use what we have received. As God taught, he wanted this to be taken in, heard with the ears, right? But moved and motivated by the heart. So let's talk about the lamp's function for a minute. First and foremost, the lamp is Jesus. The light of lights, that bright light, it is Jesus. Maybe when I brought up lamps, you thought of yours at home. Uh, The electric lamps, you plug in and you have them on end tables. 
or maybe on the nightstands in your bedroom, or maybe it's a central feature of a window. Um, These lamps have a purpose, don't they? They have a function. In Jesus' time, they were a small clay uh, bowl, and out of that side of that bowl would come an, an area for the wick, and the bowl was filled with oil. And you could they were portable. You could move around. But that was the lamp for a uh, home, especially specifically there in Capernaum, where Jesus was. And it was, a, it was just a feature in the Galilean home. So what was the function? Well, whatever was hidden or whatever was concealed was meant to be brought out into the open or what we would call brought to light. Like we say, we need to bring this thing to light. That's what the function of a lamp was. We don't take a car <clears throat> and put it in a lake and say, let's go fishing in this car. No, it would sink because that's not the function of a car. We, on the other hand, we don't put a boat on the highway and say, well, let's go from point A to point B in this boat. No, it's not going anywhere because it's not its function. So with a lamp, one does not take it, right? They do not take a lamp and, and light it and then hide it. You don't do that. Therefore, a person does not take the truth. They do not take the truth and deliberately obscure it. And with parables, even the parables we're talking about, they were meant to reveal truth, not to conceal it. So I need you to remember the function of a lamp. And that may sound simple. They may sound elementary. But this is the function that we will play in these parables today that we're learning. So I want to paint a picture. Jesus teaches us that he is the light right? He is the light of lights. He is the light who has come into a world. He's the light who has come into a dark world. So like the lamp, which again, I said it earlier, which is the center of the Galilean home, it illuminates every corner when it is placed on the lampstand that occupies the central place. Those homes were the one-room deal, sometimes two, but if you place the lamp in the middle, it illuminated and made the corners that were dark brought to light. But only when it was placed on the lampstand that occupied that central place. No one would think of putting the lamp under a basket or under a bed or under a couch. Let's light this thing and then hide it. No one would think to do that because its function was to be at the center, casting light into the darkness so everything could be seen and so that everyone there could see the light. Not only can it be seen, but we can see the light. That was the function. That was the purpose. So in this light, something wonderful is happening as well. We have what we call the light of revelation. The light of revelation. He makes it clear. Jesus in Scripture is making it clear that the mystery has been unveiled. It has been revealed. God's redemptive purposes has been made known, and nothing is being hidden. It's not hidden. It's not a mystery. Here it is. This light of revelation is the standard for true Christian faith. This is how you and I measure our biblical worldview. This is what we measure against when the world comes at us with things. We measure it against the standard of the Christian faith, which is the revelation that Jesus has given us. That's why it's important to know the Bible. Written on the heart. Written on the heart. Also in this light, it's a light of judgment. It's a light of judgment. Man, there is nothing hidden from God. All is exposed. Darkness cannot hide sin, and your evil deeds, they can't be done and, and produced in the veil of, of cover of night. Darkness won't hide that. 
No, this light shines through all, exposing all. So Jesus being the true light is a remarkable light. But you know what he says? In this parable, he says, pay attention. Hear what I'm about to say. This is Jesus. Pay attention to what you hear. Because with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The meaning is that the more one listens to the word of Jesus with spiritual perception and appropriates it, the more the truth about Jesus will be revealed. Now, this is an absolute truth. The more will be revealed. Hearing is so important. This is why he's talking about pay attention. I mean, it's vital. Hearing is vital to us. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. God will grant more revelation and more understanding to those who listen to and respond to those who appropriate his word, to those who actually are using it. Our ears and our hearts, they should be connected, folks. They should not be separated. This, this is an illustration I've used in other sermons, but it bears repeating today. There was an American missionary in Africa, and he wanted to translate the English word faith into the local dialect with the people group he was working with. But there wasn't an equivalent he could not find a word uh, that was its equivalent. So he went to an old sage who happened to be a Christian. And he asked him for help in rendering the needed word into an understandable language, just like our missionaries do every day, trying to render words so they understand and can communicate. Well, the guru studied it, and he read it, and he finally said, doesn't this mean to hear with the heart? Isn't that something? That's what he equated faith to, to hear with the heart. And I believe that good soil is the same, the same process is happening. We don't hear with the ears, and that's where it ends. We have to let it penetrate the heart. That's what the parable of the sower was all about. So the heart puts the teachings of Jesus into action in our lives. Come on, church family. Think about it. When something hits our heart, aren't we motivated to move and act when it reaches home, when it reaches our heart, aren't we uh, moved to apply and act? Yes, of course we are. So, with each of us and the responsibility we have, the hearts we have that are pursuing God, we are each accountable for what we do with what we have been given. In essence, if we were obedient, to what light we have received, guess what? We're gonna receive more. If not, what we have been given, it's gonna prove ineffective and it'll be lost. It'll be taken away. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. There is a relationship between the effort we put in and the understanding we get back from God. The information are the effort we put in and the understanding we get back from God. And our attention to God's word and our diligence and our investment to the extent we seek the teachings of Jesus, the more we will benefit. And there is a greater return in understanding. God will give even more spiritual truth to you. That is amazing. Not only are you getting back what you put in, he's gonna give you more. I bet we wish every bank under the sun would do something like that. 
oh yeah, we're gonna give you back this return. We promise that, but you know what we wanna do? We wanna give you more. No, only God. So on the other hand, those who give less, they lose what little they have. They lose what little they have. You get what you give, except here God rewards those who are diligent with even more revelation about himself. The same thing with judgment. If you want me to put it in a perspective of judgment, here's Matthew 7, 2. Matthew 7, 2 says, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. It's the same thing. If this is what you're going to do, if this is how you're going to judge, you're going to be judged the same. In fact, I don't know if you've heard this story. Uh, It's great. Uh, Maybe you have. It's about two men, a baker and a butcher, two of my favorite people. And uh, rather than charging each other for their goods that they both needed, uh, they just traded their goods to each other. Because that makes sense, doesn't it? Why would I pay you and you pay me? Let's just trade. But let's be even about it. With the measure you use, I'd like you to use the same. Well, uh, they would trade their goods to each other, but the butcher became angry because the pound of flour that he was given for his pound of meat always came up short of a pound. It was just short of a pound. So he confronted the baker, and the baker told him, listen, I don't have a measurement on my scale, but a balance. So I always use your pound of meat on one side of the balance. And his point was clear, folks. The butcher had been trying to cheat him by giving him less meat, but he did not want the same standard of measurement used against him. No, I'm cheating you, but don't use the same thing against me. I want what's coming to me. I want the whole pound. So with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So those who receive the seed under conditions that bring it to full growth, right, the good soil, they reap the benefits of a harvest. Church family, a multiple harvest. But those who reject the seed or lack the qualities to bring it to maturity, they lose all the value of the truth that they've been given. We have a responsibility to God to apply ourselves in the use of the means of his grace and knowledge, the method by we use these things. We know that salvation is all together by the grace of God, right? Man's not involved. Salvation belongs to God. What a beautiful gift. We also know that uh, both his grace and his growth for us, it's his work. We're not involved, not in his work. We're responsible to his work, But God's work is God's work. So the Bible is telling us here that God's measure out of his grace to us in proportion as we measure it to ourselves by the use of the means he has given us. I'm going to do this, but I expect you to utilize and apply this. And this is our responsibility in practice. It's our responsibility in practice. It's our responsibility in appropriating these things, making use of the growth he has given us and utilizing these things because it brings amazing results into the life of a believer 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Let's look at Mark 4, 26 and 29. 
And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts it in the sickle because the harvest has come. Now, only Mark records this parable. You find this in the book of Mark. The mysterious power of the seed itself to produce a crop is being emphasized here. Guess what? Without human effort. So Mark presents a picture of the coming of God's kingdom, and we see this in the sowing and the growing and the harvesting. But the emphasis in this scripture that we just read is on the growing phase. It's the growing phase, growth under God's initiatives. 1 Corinthians 3, 7, it says, So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. All the farmer can do is plant the seed on good and suitable ground. This expands on the good soil that we, talk, that we learned about in the parable of the sower. Once again, these things overlap. But the farmer cannot make the seed grow. He doesn't even know why it grows. He doesn't understand how it grows. But it does. All by itself, the soil produces the grain. We can be assured, and I'm going to call this a blessed assurance, like the hymn we sing, We can be assured that growth is taking place by God's good grace and that his harvest will eventually come to fruition. Why can I say that? Philippians 1, 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. The work that is being done in us, it belongs to God. It belongs to him, but we are responsible to what he is doing. So let's talk about the growing phase. Every farmer back then in biblical times, and I'm going to say even today's farmers, if they would, if they'd really come to grips and, and be real with themselves, they would agree that it's God's providence, that it's his power, not the farmer's power, that makes the grain grow. See, the Bible says the farmer sleeps and rises, and he sleeps and rises, and he sleeps and rises. This denotes activity that is repeated continuously. It's repetition. It signifies a long process. We cannot understand the process of spiritual growth in our lives just like we can't understand the process of natural growth. But we do not need to understand it in order to share in it. Let me give you a point here. Babies. Well, three. Three are coming this year. Maybe more, but three right now. From conception... So when that baby exits the birth canal, there is a natural process taking place. We can observe the stages. Yes, it happened when the egg was fertilized, and at this stage the organs are forming, at this stage the limbs, and we can observe things, folks, but we don't know how a baby grows. There's not a director or a nurse standing over a mom's stomach going, yeah, you know what I'm going to do today? <laughs> no. The baby's growing regardless of what they say and do. The mom and dad They want a healthy baby, but there's nothing they can do to grow that baby. It's a natural process. We don't know how it happens. We can observe the stages. We can observe the things that happen, but we don't know how. It's just like a plant. 
whether you're planting medicinal purposes, for edible purposes, uh, purposes, for aesthetics, to beautify your home. You plant a seed, whether it's in the shade or in the sun, you water it. It doesn't matter. You have no idea how that plant's going to grow. But it does. The growth occurs. You don't understand it, but you get to share in it. And that's the same thing. We can observe one fact after another. We can see the changes. We can observe the stages. We can do the same in religion. We can do the same in our spiritual lives. I can observe the change in you. You can observe the change in me. Like, for instance, the need for prayer. The need for self-examination, the need to search the scriptures, uh, why we follow the, 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 the uh, ordinances that Jesus instituted. We can observe and see all these things, but we cannot tell in what way the religious principle or that Christian quality, if you want to call it, is being developed and strengthened within us because it's God's work, just like that seed that's going to spring up out of that soil and produce grain. So we are being grown, we are being developed and strengthened, and, and you have to understand something, day and night, day and night, day and night, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, growth still occurs. So as good soil, we accept and we hear, and in response, we act upon this just like a lamp is being placed on a stand. I want others to see this. My life, just like the function of a lamp being placed on a stand, we accept and we act. By the way, to accept and act in accordance with something is the very definition of abide. It's the very definition of abide. In fact, look at John 15.4. Abide in me and I in you because as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So if we are wanting to produce fruit, guess what? We have to be abiding in Jesus. So we are acting and responding. If the, vine, uh, the branch is cut from the vine, there will never be fruit grown from that branch again. It has to be connected. So if we are really wanting to bear fruit, we have to be abiding in Jesus which is another part of our responsibility to what he is doing in each and every one of our lives. So our responsibility to God in this growth, as we see the farmer, is exercising patience as he works in each of us. Galatians 6, 9. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Endurance, perseverance, patience. Farmers exercise this constantly. The same thing. The same thing is supposed to happen to a Christian believer who is being grown in God. You don't know how. You don't understand it, but you will share in it. You know, there's a, we're not going to turn there, but there's a verse in Isaiah that I love. You know it well, Isaiah 55. And it talks about the word that comes out of God's mouth. It's not going to return to me empty when I speak. This is God. It's not going to return to me void because I will accomplish which I purposed with my word. I'm going to accomplish what I purpose. And, and, and I will succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And that's powerful 
because what we're hearing here is God's word, that seed that's being sown, is going to accomplish its purpose in the life of a spiritual believer who is diligently seeking Christ. It's not going to return empty. It's going to succeed in what it was purposed for and for which it was sent. So God's word is no joke. We don't read it just with our eyes. We don't listen to it with just our ears. It's got to hit the heart. So in this parable, speaking to the kingdom of God, we work in partnership with God. But the real work is left to him. That is our growth. We place our trust in a process that we cannot fully understand. We do it, we're doing it right now. Placing our trust in a process that we cannot fully understand. But we do know that in this growth, God produces amazing results and we get to share in it. Let's look at our last parable for today. Mark 4, 30 through 34. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nest in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He does not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. Now Mark here is contrasting a small and humble beginning with disproportionate or massive growth. Now, there are smaller seeds in the world, but the mustard seed could have been the smallest seed in Jesus' time in this particular location with this particular audience. They would have understood what he meant when they said mustard seed. It also could be that he was just using the seed as a metaphor for a very small thing. But this tiny seed, this tiny seed, it grows into a large, large bush, the largest of the garden plants. Folks, we're talking about upwards of 6 to 12 feet from this tiny seed. So where even the birds can nest. The point of the contrast, folks, is the level of growth that takes place from this tiny, tiny seed to this great plant. That's what he's contrasting. Now, Jesus is not giving a botany lesson. Okay, this was not about botany. Uh, no, this was, he was making a point that, that this represented the kingdom of God, because it's like what happens to a mustard seed. It has this insignificant and small beginning, but will continue to grow and grow and grow, and the growth will be remarkable. Everything I talked about in the beginning, that introduction, how we want to see that kind of growth because of the remarkable things that come from that. But you have to remember something. We forget about this, the audience there at the time. We have to remember that there were those who expected the kingdom of God to come in a different way. In fact, Luke 17, 20 through 21, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, because they were expecting something different, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus walked onto the scene He appointed 12 apostles from his group of disciples, and look at the growth worldwide from that. Worldwide growth from what happened, even in the text we're reading. 
Look at the greatness that's going to happen. Let's look to the future, the end result that will be established at his return as that growth continues. It's going to be remarkable. His kingdom is going to surpass all others in the history, present, and future in power and glory. It's his kingdom. And let's look at the church. I like to think back to Jesus and just the four fishermen on the Sea of Galilee, on that shore, right there in Capernaum. I like to think back that, I mean, like the mustard seed, here we are today because of that meeting, right? Look at the growth from that humble beginning to where we are today. Believers are destined in Jesus for a glorious end. We will see and experience the fullness of this growth when he returns for us. This is his work. Our responsibility to his work in this, patience. James 5, 7 through 8. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until he receives the early and late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Now, I've just given you a lot, but let's put all this together. I really need you to hear me now. We're going to put all of this together in closing. The lamp reveals truth. It presents the Word of God. It is Jesus. Lamps are meant to give light. They're to illuminate. That's their function. That's their purpose. We are to place it on a stand because this is where it gives its greatest impact. The function of putting a lamp on the stand is where it gives its greatest impact. So for the believer, we hear with our ears, we respond with our heart, meaning we act upon the light that has been given to us. Jesus has revealed himself. Jesus has revealed his purpose, his teachings. They have been known. We have seen his light, right? As we enter into, as we nurture, as we abide in our relationship with Jesus, he does something remarkable. He creates growth. He gives us growth, not human effort. He gives us growth. We don't understand the process, church family, but we share in the results what a partnership we have with God. What a partnership. He gives us growth, and we make use of that growth by applying ourselves to the use of the means of the light that He has given us both in the knowledge and His grace. And he promises to give us even more as we diligently seek him. So we have the absolute honor and privilege of being recipients of his work in our spiritual growth individually and as you and I as a part of the kingdom as a whole. Because the kingdom of God is continuing to grow. We have the parables that teach us that. But in the life of the believer, where God reigns now, where his will is being done, here on earth as it is in heaven, we see that too. This growth is going to produce awesome, astonishing, and amazing results, both in the kingdom as a whole and in the life of the believer. We've already seen it in his ministry. 
Just up to Mark 4, we have already seen the proof in his ministry. And this growth, it's going to continue to grow until Jesus is revealed in glory when he returns. So as you make use, hear me Christians, as you make use of what you've been given from God, you bear fruit. And as you bear fruit, you are placing the lamp on a stand for others to see this light. You, in turn, are sowing seed. And we are responsible for the practice and patience in God's work as we reveal the light of Jesus in a dark world. That's what we're doing. That's how you put all of this together. And guess what? This is how we bear fruit with amazing results, 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your word. There are so many things, Father, as we look just to the smallest part of Scripture, to the vastness of it that we learn, Father. The kingdom of God is growing and growing, and we see how it's grown, Father, from when you first uh, walked onto the scene until now, Father, the church of today. And we know we're going to see its fullness when you return. The kingdom of God will continue to grow, and we are grateful that we individually get to be a part of that kingdom. But we have to remember that you have to reign in our lives fully that we have to practice what you give us. We have to be patient with the growth that you are instilling. Father, we are greatly improved every day to be more and more like Christ. You are preparing us for the end, for that sickle that's coming. You are preparing us for heaven, and we know that. So, Father God, my prayer today, my challenge for me, myself, and, and for this church family is for us to understand that we have a responsibility to the growth you have given us. It's not growth in and of itself just for growth. It's for us to utilize. We are to place that lamp on a stand, Father. And the way that we reveal that light so it illuminates is by taking the seed that's been sown and applying it to the very life of each and every one of us, Father, so others can see. Help us practice this. Help us be patient with your growth, Lord. But help us remember that there is a responsibility. There is a measurement that is being used against us, Father. And let us act with the heart. Let us hear with the ears and act with the heart. That's my prayer, Father. That's the challenge I put before this church today, that we honor you in hearing what you have for us and applying what you've said. That's my prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for this time. And again, Lord, I just thank you for each and every member of this church. I just pray over them right now, Lord, for conviction, Lord. I pray over them for safety. Lord, let them feel love. Let them know, Father, how unique they are to you and how important they are to you. The value of each and every life. You gave your son for them. Let them see that, Father. And let us act accordingly to what you have for us. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.